Good evening, everyone. My name is Felix, and I'll be reading the Bible tonight. Uh, so tonight's Bible reading comes from Ecclesiastes chapter nine, which can be found on page one thousand and forty-five of the Blue Church Bibles. Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse one. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny: the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful; as it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know what know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a poor man, a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said. Wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Thank you for reading, Felix.、Uh, please keep your Bibles open, everyone, to page one o four five as we look at Ecclesiastes nine together. And thank you for the opportunity to share God's word with you tonight. But before we get into the passage, we please join me as I pray.
as we uh, look into God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word, the Bible. Heavenly Father, please help me to speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that by your word and spirit, you'll be growing us in wisdom. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Regardless of whatever stage of life you're in, you know it's better to be wise rather than to be foolish. Back in March this year, international cricket in Australia would change forever when Steve Smith and David Warner made that decision to be involved in ball tampering. And it's because of that simple act of using sandpaper to the ball. Both of them would be suspended from the international team and everyone would never see them the same way again. Being foolish can have serious consequences. But it's not just what we see on the news. Not a week goes by where I haven't said something foolish or done something foolish, where I think to myself, oh boy, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Now, sometimes the only collateral is my bruised pride. But other times, I've caused hurt and pain to others as well as myself. Does that seem familiar to you? The truth of the matter is, we're not perfect. At times, we can be very foolish in what we say or what we do or in the decisions that we make. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how can we grow in wisdom? Well, tonight we see that the writer of Ecclesiastes has something to say about this. And my hope and prayer for all of us here tonight is that as we look at God's word, that he'll change us so that we might live wise lives. Now, before we get started, I need to define wisdom. You see, wisdom isn't knowledge. It isn't knowing about a whole heap of facts. Rather, wisdom's been described as harmonizing our lives with reality. In other words, it's understanding what the true reality is and living rightly with that reality. So to illustrate, there's a saying that I've come across that says, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is actually a fruit. But wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Do you see what wisdom is? It's living in harmony with reality. Now, tonight we're going to look at four things. Uh, the first two things are two realities that our passage speaks about that we need to harmonize with. And then thirdly, we'll see why wisdom is better than folly. And then fourthly, we'll see the ultimate reality that we all have to harmonize with. But before we get to all that, let me give you a bit of background to the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, firstly, the book is about the sayings from the teacher. Now, the teacher is King Solomon, who was the king of Israel, who asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. So what we have right here in front of us is wisdom straight from God. Secondly, this book tends to get a bad rap, because people think that this is a depressing book, because it keeps saying that everything in this world is meaningless. Now, the word that the NIV translates as meaningless is the word hebel, which is actually also the word for mist or vapor. That is, it's something that's hard to uh, grab hold of. It's something that's transient. 
it's something that doesn't last. And so when you understand that the book of Ecclesiastes is reminding us that everything is mist and vapor, as opposed to meaningless, well, it's actually not a depressing book at all. But rather, it's a book that helps us grasp reality rightly and helps us live in harmony with it. And so the first reality that we need to harmonize with is the reality of death. Uh, Can you see it there in verse 3? Verse 3 says this. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. So no matter who you are, whether you're the wise or the foolish, whether you're the righteous, whether you're the wicked, death awaits us all. It's the inevitable reality that we all face. And the teacher makes the point here in verse 4 that living is actually better than dying. And he quotes a traditional saying back in his day. He says, even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Better, than be, better to be the little mongrel who's alive and who's yapping away than being a majestic beast who lies dead as a floor rug beside someone's fireplace. And the reason he can say this is because life is worth living. It's better, it's better than nothing. As verse 6 summarizes, the dead don't have a part of anything that happens under the sun. So the reality for us is, well, our lives are mist and vapor. And if that's the case, then what's the wise response? How, how do we harmonize our lives with that reality? Well, have a look what he says in verse 7, because he says, where to seek joy, where it may be found. Uh, verse 7 to 10, I actually want to read that, but let me, instead of reading the word meaningless, I'm going to read the words mist and vapor. Verse 7 says this, Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this mist and vaporous life that God has given you under the sun, all your mist and vaporous days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. So when we understand that everything is mist and vapor, then we have to recognize that everything in life that we have is a gift from God. And it's a gift to be enjoyed. It's a gift to be celebrated. It's a gift to be received with the attitude of gratitude. Now the word lot that we see in verse 9 there, uh, we tend to think the word lot, it, it tends to be a negative word, or so we think that is, but it's actually not meant to be the case. Uh, a better translation of that word is your share or your slice of the pie. Again, it's referring to everything that God has given to us, that we're to enjoy that, 
that we're made to make the most of it. And then the verses continue. Whatever opportunity God gives into your hands, well, we can do it wholeheartedly and commit ourselves to it. But to do it in a way without seeking lasting gain from it. Because it's, that's not what, the, what God gives us. It's not what's intended. Because you see, when we try to derive lasting gain from it, or significance, or identity from those things... You see, they're not, designed to give those, they're not designed to give those things, and so it would only lead to disappointment and frustration if we treat them that way. And the reason why those things will always lead to disappointment if you try to derive gain is because these things are mist and vapor. So you see, knowledge is knowing that one day, our time would end on this earth, and everything on this earth is mist and vapor. That's knowledge. But wisdom is working out how to make the most of our time on this earth. And by being thankful for what God has given us, and enjoying it as the gift that it is. Secondly, the other reality that we have to harmonize with is the reality of time and chance, where things are uncontrollable and unpredictable. Verse 11 says this, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Now the word chance here in the verse doesn't actually mean luck. Rather, the teacher is describing life from his point of view. Because life, to him, seems random. It seems unpredictable. So even though we expect the swift to win the race, or the strong to win the battle, it doesn't always end up that way. Just ask Stephen Bradbury, our first ever Winter Olympian gold medalist. And he'll be the first to tell you that the fastest person doesn't always win the race. That life is unpredictable. See, things don't always happen in a way that we think. And so verse 12 goes on that our situation is actually like that of the fish and birds. Uh, a fish doesn't anticipate the moment that it's captured in a net. Nor does a, a bird have any idea when it's going to be trapped in a snare. You see, the reality of life is that bad times will come on us unexpectedly. So what's the wise response to that reality? How can we harmonize our lives with that reality? Well, firstly, we need to own the fact that we are not in control. Now, I know that idea sounds obvious, but I reckon deep down at times... We're quite resistant to that fact. I know for myself, there's so many times, oh, I hate when I can't control the situation. I love being in control, but that's the thing. The thing is, we actually then fall into a trap of thinking that we're masters of our own destiny. When the reality is, we don't know what's going to happen to us next. We don't know when we're going to be caught up in that net. And so the way that we're to harmonize with this reality that we're not in control 
is to trust the one who is. Uh, Elsewhere in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, this idea of recognizing that God is the one who's in control of all reality is seen in the book of Job. After Job, he undergoes tragedy after tragedy. Job is able to say this. Uh, Please have a look at Job chapter 1 verse 21. He says this. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You see, Job kept trusting in God through all that he went through, because he knew that God will determine how things go. But what would that look like for us? Well, for us, it will be seen as we rest in uncertainty, where we hold everything loosely. And part of trusting him will mean not spending copious amounts of time worrying about the future and failing to live in the present, but instead to acknowledge the one who gives, and that's God, and that he's also the one who takes away. And and if we acknowledge that, then we leave everything in his hands. Knowledge is knowing that our life will be a mixed bag of experiences and factors that we can't control. But wisdom is trusting the one who's in control of the mixed bag as we navigate through it. Now the third thing we see in this chapter is an example of wisdom and folly seen side by side, where we see a poor wise man and a foolish king. And in verse 14, the story is about a king who builds a siege around this city. Uh, Now the word siege works is actually the same word used for net in verse 12. So this story is a real life example of a fish being caught in a net. And it's through the wisdom of the poor man that the city is saved. Now, this guy, he's the guy who you'd least expect. He's the guy who doesn't have high status, who isn't very popular. You see, the teacher's pointing out that we can have wisdom regardless of status, regardless of riches, regardless of credentials. And the other point he's making is, you can actually have all those things, but still be foolish. At the end of the day, it's better to be wise than to be foolish. Better to be wise and nobody than a foolish somebody. And you can see that in verses 16 to 18. Can you see it there? Verse 16 says this. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. In the end, wisdom is always better than being foolish. Now on this topic of wisdom, there's, there's more to be said than what the teacher says here. And you, that's the thing, the teacher can only observe what he sees in life from his angle. And so he can only ascertain so much. So from the teacher's point of view, he reckons that there's nothing beyond death. But you know, that's the thing. Throughout the book, 
he actually keeps asking himself the question, what will happen after people die? Well, maybe there's something more beyond the grave. Well, for us, this side of Jesus, we know the fact that firstly, there is life after death. But not only that, the thing we know is that Jesus himself is the source of true wisdom. And he is the ultimate reality that we all have to harmonize with. And just like in the story of the poor wise man, wisdom can come from the most unlikely place, the place that you least expect, the place which isn't about riches or status. We actually sang about that earlier tonight in that song, The Perfect Wisdom. And that song, Perfect Wisdom, actually picks up uh, the words from 1 Corinthians. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 24 says this. Jesus demands signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness, foolishness to Gentiles. But those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You see, you won't, try, you won't find true wisdom by reading a bunch of books or listening to a bunch of experts. No, true wisdom is only found in God's revelation in Jesus, who is the touchstone of all reality. And Jesus' death was actually God's wisdom to the reality of our common destiny. You see, Jesus is the wisdom that actually overcame death that we all face by dealing with our sin. And it's because of that, Jesus brings life beyond death and provides hope for all who trust in him. So you see, Jesus is the key to living in harmony with reality. And that means living life the best possible way. Because the thing is, this reality of death, this reality of time and chance, it makes our life a roller coaster with all its ups and downs. But Jesus is the one who's in control of all those things. I was really taken by that, that song again that we sang, that second song. And actually I actually want to read to you the ver- words of verse 3. It says, A strand of sorrow has a place within this tapestry of grace. So through the trials, I'll choose to say your perfect will in your perfect way. That is wisdom. That's harmonizing with reality. But don't just hear from the words we just sung. Please look at the, uh, this, uh, these words from Revelation, uh, chapter 1, verse 17 18. Jesus says these words to the Apostle John to reassure him and remind him who is in control. Revelation 1, 17 says, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Because Jesus is alive again as the king of the universe, he's the one who holds the roller coaster of reality in his hand. Now that's the thing about roller coasters. I love roller coasters. Uh, as a teenager, one of my favorite places was to go was a place called Australia's Wonderland. 
Now, unfortunately, Australia's Wonderland closed down due to bankruptcy back in 2004, and I'm still sad that I have to talk about Australia's Wonderland in the past tense. I'm just curious, hands up if you've been to Australia's Wonderland? Fantastic. And approximately, I kind of know how old you are. Well, here's the thing. Back in 1992, Australia's Wonderland had opened up a new ride called The Demon. It looked like this. Oh, it's the first ride of its kind in Sydney that went forwards high speeds, backwards high speeds, upside down in high speeds. Again, just curious show of hands. Who's actually gone on The Demon? Wow, you guys are pretty brave. Hands down. You should wear that as a badge of honour. Anyway, when I was lining up for that ride the first time, I was a little bit nervous as I hear people screaming on the ride. But the gravity of the situation really hit me when I sat down and the safety harness bar locks down onto my shoulders. And at that point, I really got scared. There's no way back. I can't get off this thing. And as the ride started off, something else dawned on me. And this thing that was stopping me getting out of my seat was the thing that's actually going to be the most important thing to me for the next two minutes. Because it was the thing that was keeping me safe. It was the thing that was going to stop me from falling out of the ride as I went upside down. And the fact that it was tight on me, it actually enabled me to enjoy the exhilaration of the ride as well as survive the scary bits when my stomach was about to come out of my mouth. In a similar way, Jesus' hand is on our lives. He holds us throughout the roller coaster that we call life. And Jesus is the key to the wisdom that we need to live life under the sun. As we harmonize with the fact that Jesus is at the center of all reality, that it's his hand who controls it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are the almighty, the only wise God, the sovereign Lord of all. And we praise you that you are the center of all reality. We praise you that you are the one who's in control of all things. Heavenly Father, we confess that so many times we are foolish, where we don't harmonize our, our lives to reality. We confess that at times we try to get control over the things we can't. Heavenly Father, please keep grounding us in the true wisdom that's found in Jesus. And we pray that you will change us to be people who live wise lives, who will live lives of joy in the midst of the reality that we live in. And we pray that you will help us and strengthen us to trust you as we live lives for you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.